This is C-SPAN's The Weekly. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. And what a week it has been. The solemn ceremony steeped in two centuries of tradition as the U.S. House and Senate certifies the Electoral College vote. It is, of course, the final official step before a new president is inaugurated on January 20th. This past week, however, that tradition was upended as protesters broke through security gates around the perimeter of the U.S. Capitol and then stormed the building. The last time something like that happened was August 24, 1814, when British troops invaded Washington during the War of 1812. Just ahead from C-SPAN's coverage this past Wednesday, excerpts from key speeches by members of Congress. The morning of January 6th began with these opening remarks on the Senate floor by Republican leader Mitch McConnell. Nothing before us proves illegality anywhere near the massive scale, the massive scale that would have tipped the entire election. Nor can public doubt alone justify a radical break when the doubt itself was incited without any evidence. The Constitution gives us here in Congress a limited role. We cannot simply declare ourselves a national board of elections on steroids. The voters, the courts, and the states have all spoken. They've all spoken. If we overrule them, it would damage our republic forever. This election actually was not unusually close. Just in recent history, 1976, 2000, and 2004 were all closer than this one. The Electoral card College uh, margin is almost identical to what it was in 2016. This election were overturned by mere allegations from the losing side. Our democracy would enter a death spiral. We'd never see the whole nation except an election again. And then it was just hours after the Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell delivered those remarks that both the House and the Senate had to immediately recess as supporters of the president storming through security checkpoints, breaking into the U.S. Capitol. The sound of those demonstrators literally sending shockwaves across the Capitol. Nearly seven hours after the protesters stormed the building, the chambers were then secured. A curfew in Washington, D.C. put in place, and the joint session of Congress reconvened with remarks by the President of the U.S. Senate, Vice President Mike Pence. Today was a dark day in the history of the United States Capitol. But thanks to the swift efforts of U.S. Capitol Police, federal, state, and local law enforcement, 
The violence was quelled. The capital is secured, and the people's work continues. We condemn the violence that took place here in the strongest possible terms. We grieve the loss of life in these hallowed halls, as well as the injuries suffered by those who defended our capital today. And we will always be grateful to the men and women who stayed at their posts to defend this historic place. To those who wreaked havoc in our capital today, you did not win. Violence never wins. Freedom wins. And this is still the people's house. More from the Senate floor on Wednesday, January 6th. The U.S. Constitution requires Congress to certify the Electoral College vote in early January. Here is Republican leader Mitch McConnell. The United States and the United States Congress have faced down much greater threats than the unhinged crowd we saw today. We've never been deterred before and will be not deterred today. They tried to disrupt our democracy. They failed. They failed. They failed to attempt to obstruct the Congress. This failed insurrection only underscores how crucial the task before us is for our republic. Our nation was founded precisely so that the free choice of the American people is what shapes our self-government and determines the destiny of our nation. And then following Senator McConnell, the Senate's Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer of New York. Mr. President, it is very, very difficult to put into words what has transpired today. I have never lived through or even imagined an experience like the one we have just witnessed in this Capitol. President Franklin Roosevelt set aside December 7, 1941, as a day that will live in infamy. Unfortunately, we can now add January 6, 2021, to that very short list of dates in American history that will live forever in infamy. This temple to democracy was desecrated. Its windows smashed, our offices vandalized. The world saw Americans' elected officials hurriedly ushered out because they were in harm's way. The House and Senate floors were places of shelter until the evacuation was ordered, leaving rioters to stalk these hallowed halls. That from Senator Chuck Schumer as Congress resumed the business of certifying the Electoral College vote, the last official step before a president is inaugurated. You're listening to C-SPAN's podcast, The Weekly. And this week, our focus is on the historic events here in Washington, D.C., as protesters storm through security checkpoints, moving freely through the historic halls of the U.S. Capitol, and briefly took over the Senate chambers. As police in riot gear moved in, forcing the demonstrators out following some tense hours, lawmakers returned into the evening hours. Here is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We know that we would be part of history in a positive way today, every four years, uh, when we uh, demonstrate, again, the peaceful transfer of power. 
from one president to the next. And despite the shameful actions of today, we still will do so. We will be part of a history that shows the world what America is made of, that these, uh, this assault, this assault is just that. It shows the weakness of those who had to show through violence what their message was. Those remarks from the Speaker of the House of Representatives, even one of the president's staunchest congressional supporters, Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, condemning the demonstrators and the damage they left throughout the U.S. Capitol. Looking back on the past few hours, it is clear this Congress will not be the same after today. And I hope it will be the better. I hope not just this institution, but I hope every American pauses for that moment and thinks among themselves that we can disagree with one another but not dislike each other. We can respect the voices of others. There's many times we debate on this body, and we should. There's many times we can get heated. I still consider Stinney Hoyer a very good friend. There's times I get upset. I'll call him at home to express what things I may not see fair or just. But that's the way we should handle things. The majority leader is right. We are all Americans first. But should we also think for a moment What do we put on social media? What do we convey to one another? Just because you have a personal opinion different than mine, you have a right to say it, but nobody has a right to become a mob. And we all should stand united in condemning the mob together. That from the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy. Meanwhile, in the Senate, 14 Republicans said that they plan to object to at least one state results, which would have delayed the process, but not the outcome. That number dwindled after protesters overtook the U.S. Capitol building. One of them, outgoing Republican Senator Kelly Loeffler of Georgia, who earlier in the day officially lost her bid to stay in the U.S. Senate. Mr. President, When I arrived in Washington this morning, I fully intended to object to the certification of the electoral votes. However, the events that have transpired today have forced me to reconsider, and I cannot now in good conscience object to the certification of these electors. The violence, the lawlessness, and siege of the halls of Congress are abhorrent and stand as a direct attack on the very institution my my objection was intended to protect the sanctity of the American democratic process. And I thank law enforcement for keeping us safe. I believe that there were last-minute changes to the November 2020 election process and serious irregularities that resulted in too many Americans losing confidence not only in the integrity of our elections, but in the power of the ballot as a tool of democracy. Too many Americans are frustrated at what they see as an unfair system. Nevertheless, there is no excuse for the events that took place in these chambers today, and I pray that America never suffers such a dark day again. Though the fate of this vote is clear, the future of the American people's faith 
and the core institution of this democracy remains uncertain, we as a body must turn our focus to protecting the integrity of our elections and restoring every American's faith that their their voice and their vote matters. While Georgia Senator Loeffler withdrew her objection, Missouri's Josh Hawley said the protests through the Capitol only reaffirmed the need to question state results, including those from Pennsylvania. So, Mr. President, let me just say now briefly, in lieu of speaking about it later, a word about Pennsylvania, which is a state that I have been focused on, objected to, as an example of why people are concerned, millions of Americans concerned about our election integrity. The state of Pennsylvania... Quite apart from allegations of any fraud, you have a state constitution that has been interpreted for over a century to say that there is no mail-in balloting permitted except for in very narrow circumstances that's also provided for in the law. And yet, last year, Pennsylvania elected officials passed a whole new law that allows universal mail-in balloting and did it irregardless of what the Pennsylvania constitution said. And then when Pennsylvania citizens tried to go and be heard on this subject before the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, they were dismissed on grounds of procedure, timeliness, in violation of that Supreme Court's own precedent. So the merits of the case have never been heard. The constitutionality of the statute actually has never been defended. I'm not aware of any court that has passed on its constitutionality. Actually, I'm not aware of anybody who's defended the constitutionality. And this was what, this was the statute that governed this last election in which there are over 2.5 million mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania. This is my point, that this is the forum. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court hasn't heard the case. There's no other court to go to to hear the case in the state. And so this is the appropriate place for these concerns to be raised. Those remarks by Missouri's Republican Senator Josh Hawley led to this reaction, Democratic Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois. In this country, The power of the people has always mattered more than the people in power. That is the ideal that this nation was founded upon. That is why a few patriots threw some tea in Boston Harbor, why Washington crossed the Delaware, why suffragists were arrested a century ago, and why my friend John Lewis crossed that bridge in Selma in 1965. It is why millions spent a Tuesday in November standing in line braving a pandemic to make their voices heard. Listen, this administration has always had an adversarial relationship with the truth. Trump always cries conspiracy, always foments chaos whenever something doesn't go his way. But today, we here in this chamber have the opportunity to prove that here, in this country, truth matters, that right matters that the will of the people matters more than the whims of any single powerful individual. I have no tea to throw in Boston Harbor tonight, and I regret that I have no rucksack to pack for my country, no Black Hawk to pilot. nor am I asking for any grand gesture for my Republican colleagues. All that I'm asking of you is to reflect on the oaths that you have sworn, on the damage done to our union today, and on the sacrifices made by those who've given so much to this nation. From the service members at Fort Huachuca 
and Marine Corps Air Station Yuma to the marchers who bent America's moral arc a bit more towards justice with every single step that they took, every bridge that they crossed. Then ask yourself whether the democracy they were willing to bleed for, the country that each of us in this chamber has sworn to defend, is worth damaging in order to protect the porcelain ego of a man who treats the Constitution as if it were little more than a yellowing piece of paper. I think we all know the right answer. That from Senator Duckworth of Illinois and one of the president's fiercest Republican critics, Senator Mitt Romney of Utah. The truth is that President-elect Biden won the election. President Trump lost. I've had that experience myself. It's no fun. Scores of courts, the president's own attorney general, state election officials, both Republican and Democrat, have reached that unequivocal decision. And in light of today's sad circumstances, I ask my colleague, do we weigh our own political fortunes more heavily than we weigh the strength of our republic, the strength of our democracy, and the cause of freedom? What's the weight of personal acclaim compared to the weight of conscience? Leader McConnell said that the vote today is the most important in his 36 years of public service. Think of that. Authorizing two wars, voting on two impeachments. He said that not because the vote reveals something about the election. It's because this vote reveals something about us. I urge my colleagues to move forward with completing the electoral count, to refrain from further objections, and to unanimously affirm the legitimacy of the presidential election. Thank you, Mr. President. You're listening to highlights from C-SPAN's coverage of the congressional certification process, making Joe Biden our 46th president. Here's South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, who has been a close ally of President Trump these past four years. Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it being this way. Oh, my God, I hate it. From my point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, first thing you'll see, all I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. I've tried to be helpful. But when the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled four to three that they didn't violate the, Supreme, uh, the Constitution of Wisconsin, I agree with the three, but I accept the four. If Al Gore can accept five, four, he's not president. I can accept Wisconsin four to three. Pennsylvania. It went to the Second Circuit. So much for all the judges being in Trump's pocket. They said, no, you're wrong. I accept the Pennsylvania Second Circuit that Trump's lawsuit wasn't, wasn't right. Georgia, they said the Secretary of State took the law in his own hands. He changed the election laws unlawfully. A federal judge said, no, I accept the federal judge even though I don't agree with it. Fraud. They say there's 66,000 people in Georgia under 18 voted. How many people believe that? I asked, give me 10. And I had one. They said 8,000 felons in prison in Arizona voted. Give me 10. I hadn't gotten one. Does that say there's, there's problems in every election? I don't buy this. Enough's enough. We got to end it. We move from the Senate floor back to the House of Representatives with finger-pointing on who is to blame for the demonstrators storming the U.S. Capitol. Here is Republican Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, who makes reference to a Washington Times story indicating the fringe group Antifa was responsible. We should point out the story in the Washington Times was later retracted, stating it was not true. 
Now, not since 1985 has a Republican president been sworn in, absent some Democrat effort, to object to the electors. But when we do it, it is the new violation of all norms. And when those things are said, people get angry. Now, I know there are many countries where political violence may be necessary, but America is not one such country. Madam Speaker, it was wrong when people vandalized and defaced your home. It was wrong when thugs went to Senator Hawley's home. And I don't know if the reports are true, but the Washington Times has just reported some pretty compelling evidence from a facial recognition company showing that some of the people who breached the Capitol today were not Trump supporters. They were masquerading as Trump supporters and, in fact, were members of the violent terrorist group Antifa. Now, we should seek to build America up, not tear her down and destroy her. And I am sure glad that at least for one day, I didn't hear my Democrat colleagues calling to defund the police. That from Congressman Gates of Florida. Pennsylvania's decision to allow early mail-in voting during the pandemic in 2020 was the centerpiece of one Republican argument that the state changed the rules and did so unfairly, leading to claims of voter fraud. Here's Republican Congressman Scott Perry, who's from Pennsylvania. Sadly, but resolutely, I object to the electoral votes of my beloved Commonwealth of Pennsylvania on the grounds of multiple constitutional infractions that they were not, under all of the known circumstances, regularly given. And on this occasion, I have a written objection signed by a senator and 80 members of the House of Representatives. That from Representative Scott Perry, GOP member of the House from Pennsylvania. And from the House floor during the early morning hours of January 7th, tempers began to flare as the debate continued. There was this notable moment from another Pennsylvania lawmaker, Democrat Connor Lamb. We know that that attack today, it didn't materialize out of nowhere. It was inspired by lies, the same lies that you're hearing in this room tonight. And the members who are repeating those lies should be ashamed of themselves. Their constituents should be ashamed of them. And we know what's going to happen as soon as I walk away, what's happened all night tonight, what will continue to happen. They will take these same symbols, these same concepts, they'll smuggle them into their arguments, they'll make the same arguments. And I want people at home, anyone who is still watching, to know these arguments are not for them, they're for you. None of the evidence we wanted to discuss here tonight will change their opinions or what they're about to say. But you need to know that's not the end. It's not as if there's nothing we can do because of that. And if there was, I don't think this nation would have made it to almost 250 years. The fact is, Madam Speaker, the fact is that at the end of the day, people... Gentleman will say his point of order. Yes, ma'am. Point of order, the gentleman said that there were lies on the floor here today looking over this direction. I ask that those words be taken down. We may have a disagree- disagreement of, on, a, on matters, but... Mr. Mann, it's not timely. The, no, the gentleman's man was not timely. You didn't uh, register an, an appropriate time. The gentleman will proceed. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Madam Speaker, the fact is that at the end of the day... Yeah, look, you, look, talk, you sad, say that about true. me every single day. So the truth just, hurts. 
Hold your tongue. And this is how the Washington Post described that moment, quote, An impassioned speech from Representative Connor Lamb of Pennsylvania nearly caused an early morning fistfight to break out between two other House lawmakers during the debate over Pennsylvania's electoral vote. It was 90 minutes after that moment, at approximately 3.30 a.m., Vice President Pence made it official. The whole number of electors appointed to vote for President of the United States is 538. Within that whole number, a majority is 270. The votes for President of the United States are as follows. Joseph R. Biden, Jr. of the state of Delaware has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes. The whole number of electors appointed to vote for Vice President of the United States is 538. Within that whole number, a majority is 270. The votes for Vice President of the United States are as follows. Kamala D. Harris of the state of California has received 306 votes. Michael R. Pence of the state of Indiana has received 232 votes. The announcement of the state of the vote by the President of the Senate shall be deemed a sufficient declaration of the person's elected President and Vice President of the United States. And with that, a normally perfunctory congressional ceremony became a historic one, with the Senate chaplain, Rear Admiral Barry Black, ending the session in this prayer. Let us pray. Lord of our lives and sovereign of our beloved nation, we deplore the desecration of the United States Capitol building, the shedding of innocent blood, the loss of life, and the quagmire of dysfunction that threaten our democracy. These tragedies have reminded us that words matter and that the power of life and death is in the tongue. We have been warned that eternal vigilance continues to be freedom's price. Lord, you have helped us remember that we need to see in each other a common humanity that reflects your image. You have strengthened our resolve to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, domestic as well as foreign. Use us to bring healing and unity to our hurting and divided nation and world. Thank you for what you have blessed our lawmakers to accomplish in spite of threats to liberty. Bless and keep us. Drive far from us all wrong desires. Incline our hearts to do your will and guide our feet 
on the path of peace. And God, bless America. We pray in your sovereign name. Amen. The historic moments from the U.S. Capitol this past week, and you can listen to all of these speeches on the web at cspan.org. You can find our podcast, The Weekly, on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. Washington.